Good morning, Whistle Nation. It's Friday, January 20th, and welcome back to another episode of the Holy Commutes podcast, your only place for daily morning wiffle ball content from around the country. I'm your host, Josh Smith. I do hope you've enjoyed this January season of Holy Commutes. I suppose my episode today shall serve as the season finale. I'm honored, and I'll do my best for you today. Originally, I'd intended to bring on Carl Coffey to co-host this episode to talk about what could have been any myriad of potential subjects. But as the time for me to record this episode drew near, I thought of a topic that I wanted to discuss, and I felt it was better to go this one alone and not drag anyone down with me for it, because honestly, I don't know how this one's going to be received. Before I go any further, I think that it's important to note that I don't think it matters what I think I have earned or not earned as far as what I should or shouldn't say on here, and I don't want to sound like Al Pacino from Scent of a Woman. I've been around, you know! Because although I have indeed been around, others have been around longer. And I have learned not to equate age or tenure for wisdom, because as anyone with eyes can see, there is such thing as a gray fool. But I feel compelled to tell you all about a disquieting condition I've noticed regarding the state of the sport around the country. Once I finish, you may think of me as an alarmist, or you may even agree with me, or be somewhere in the middle. But one thing is for certain, the sport has definitely changed in the past 10 years. But can we agree it's for the better? And does it serve the longevity of the game? Do I have your attention? I hope so. I'll reveal to you what I believe is the malady we're facing after this short break. Anyone that's known me long knows that I like to look back with a wide lens on the history of leagues within the sport. That normally limits us to what can be found on the internet, and then anything else beyond that is scattered thinly in the form of oral histories and very rare memorabilia. I went on at length about how I feel about this and how it would serve us well to know where we've been so that we can better understand where we are now and where we can possibly go. While some of you may say this is basically baseball or baseball adjacent, that's a fair point, but I think it's key for us to remember here that this isn't baseball. This is a separate sport unto itself. We don't know when the first league was founded, how long it lasted, etc. The same can be said about the first tournament, and that can't be helped. But there was a time when we could say with reasonable confidence how many organized leagues there were in the United States. We logged them all in the National Wiffle Ball League Association if they wished to join. We could tell how many teams there were roughly in the U.S. Now, is that for all of Wiffle Ball? Certainly not. That cannot encompass all the fly-by-night 
uh, leaks that kind of popped up and that would vanish almost as soon as they <laughs> popped into existence. And then there's those tournament circuits that uh, they, they didn't really document their teams and players so much as they did who won the purse uh, for any given time. But it was more information than there had ever been before documenting sort of the annals of what all there was as far as wiffle ball, um, you know, in totality like that. I didn't think at the time that it would be the pinnacle of information that would be gathered. And I didn't think that we would slide into what I can describe as nothing less than potentially the entrance, at worst case scenario, of a new dark age of the state of wiffle ball leagues in this country. Could this happen? I believe so, if we aren't very careful. I can feel some of you possibly scratching your heads, not understanding what I'm talking about. I suspect that you may be in an unaffected crowd or circumstance. Please allow me to make my case. And by case, I mean to say the case for wiffle ball leagues. Because they seem to be becoming somewhat strained or an endangered uh, species compared to what they once were even 10 years ago. A time when they are multiplying like insects. And we are like astronomers actively searching for and discovering new leagues in an exciting area of exploration and growth. Sure, it was bound to stave off, but I wonder if it was maybe something else. Even now, without spending dozens, if not hundreds of hours that I do not have searching and logging leagues, I can tell there's a noticeable stagnation, if not maybe a downward trend, in leagues currently. According to WiffleBallTournaments.com, ran by Way Too Beautiful, uh, a team that uh, participates in a lot of tournaments uh, nationally, there are currently approximately 124 teams in their league tracker. That's down from about 150 uh, at last that I had logged in Wiffler's Digest. But where you really notice things is that the leagues just don't start up in the same frequency of numbers that they used to. And I read every now and then these little chicken little baseball columnists writing articles about how they think baseball is dying and all their cacophony of reasons for that. And I want to make one thing clear here. I don't think that wiffle ball is dying. The NWA tournament just celebrated its 11th annual tournament last summer. United Wiffle Ball just enjoyed their third world championship tournament last year that boasts collaboration from Golden Stick, Mid-Atlantic Wiffle, Texas Wiffle Ball, and the Minnesota Wiffle Association, which is an NWA member. This is something previously thought not possible, at least by me, but it became a reality and has taken place three years running now. And this past year, it happened at a professional ballpark uh, in York, Pennsylvania, uh, which belongs to the York Revolution, which I believe is an Atlantic League professional baseball team. Major League Wiffle Ball continued to blow up online in even more new and inventive ways and have been on TBS and ESPN and many other sports networks, and then even had Hall of Famer Pedro Martinez playing with him at one point. So it's safe to say that the current state of wiffle ball is just fine. So what the hell is up with this prologue that I had leading into this? So my involvement in organized wiffle ball stretches back to only 2001, but the World Wiffle Ball Championship tournament in Chicago started back in 1980. And there have been tournament circuits since that time throughout the 1980s and 1990s, such as the first incarnation of Fast Plastic, until what I guess you could call the current or common era of knowledge thanks to the internet for the sport. So while I don't claim to know everything here, I do want to offer my observation. Are there really less leagues now versus 10 years ago? Yes, I believe there are, but not by a huge number. 
WiffleBallTournaments.com shows 124 teams on their on their league tracker currently. The last number I had on Wiffler's Digest, I believe, was around the 130s or somewhere in there. But I was pretty militant about what I would put on the site. I was not very welcoming to the idea of social media sites supplementing for actual websites. Had that not been the case, the number of leagues I would have had on the site towards the end of my running with First Digest would have been closer to 150 leagues, I believe. So we're down around 25 leagues compared to 10 years ago using these metrics. That's not really a huge loss over a decade, but still, it's not a gain, is it? Part of this may be these leagues could be hiding in plain sight. Building websites isn't as common as it used to be. I never really understood this. With click-and-drag sites like Wix, Weebly, and, and many others, it couldn't be easier to build one. Back in the 1990s and early 2000s, you had to know HTML or CSS later on to build and maintain a site. So if you had a league with a decent website back then, it really was a labor of love. (laughs) If you think it's hard enough to form and maintain a league, doing that plus having a website for said league, you had to really love wiffle ball. (laughs) Now I noticed around 2010 to 2012, which is around the time I started with Wars Digest. Now I've been following leagues casually uh, at that point, but not really documenting it because I hadn't started with Wars Digest until 2011. But around 2010 to 2012, I had noticed uh, effort to build websites seemed to wane a bit. You know, enter the lackadaisical social media proxy sites that leagues began to use in in their place. First, it was MySpace. (laughs) Remember that? Uh, Then it was Facebook, then Instagram, and now TikTok. The ever-decreasing attention span demands less and less information, yet more stimuli. Yet in the swap for website, for social media, there's no actual gain uh, of information exchange between the organization and the actual audience of the said organization. The social media is a tool to be wielded, not to be used as a sole means of hosting all the info for the league. I find this particularly frustrating when trying to navigate these Facebook pages to get basic information about a league. These accounts are designed to give you just basic recent blurbs. It's not designed to take the place of a website. You relegate everyone to endless scrolling in a bottomless sea of cash, algorithms, and ad space. A website doesn't have to be dense or filled to the brim with information. It could just have basic news and information, a schedule of games, and other key information like that. Social media accounts are inundated with information. Key here, less is more. (laughs) And I assure you, even the most basic website is more functional for you know an audience member or a potential player or whoever the case may be, the intended person, that's going to be more functional for them than even the most well-managed Facebook page. And if this were not so, why would Pepsi or any other company or, or sports organization still have web pages? I rest my case on the topic. <laughs> All this to say that I suspect... More leagues than ever are relying on social media accounts for their online presence, and that could contribute to the downward, or the uh, apparent, I should say, downward trend in leagues. Or maybe there's just less leagues. Sports writers and boomer pundits love to rip on youths being overweight and not participating in sports. Yada, yada, yada. The fact that such general sweeping statements are made about an entire generation says more about the holder of the pen or microphone more than it does about the sport or children, in my opinion. But for anyone who might actually be interested in that particular topic, the CDC 
did a study in children ages 6 to 17 in 2020 and found that 54.1% of children have participated in sports of some kind in the past 12 months at that time. Moreover, they found a correlation between household income and likelihood of children or adolescents participating in sports. Basically, the higher the income in the household, the more likely the children in that household were going to participate in sports. They broke that down further. 36.8% of children in households with parents who had a high school education or lower played sports versus 67.6% of children in households with parents with bachelor's degrees or higher played sports. So there is a clear correlation, according to that study, showing that the more money that a household makes, the more likely their children are to play sports. Now, on the other side of this data-driven argument is an organization called the Aspen Institute, Found in 1949, this nonprofit organization has a focus in their Project Play program that they launched in 2013 that, quote, develops, supplies, and shares information that helps build healthy communities through sports, end quote. And in 2018, they found that only 38% of children participated in team sports, down from 45% in 2008. The key findings they had from this study were seven points, and they are as follows. One. This has already been a problem going on for over 10 years at this point. Two, it's fun for kids at the start, and if that remains the case, they'll continue to play. Three, parents think that the child values winning more than anything else. Four, children drop out of sports either due to injury or trauma or fatigue, so basically burnout. Five, being pushed into isolation or anxiety with the expectation of elite athleticism. Six, identity crisis due to them linking their identity to their athletic achievements. Seven, being too pressured by the win-lose aspect of the game and not growing in their relationships forged in playing sports themselves. So my takeaway here is both studies are right. And I could go on an aside here about perception and how to do research and draw analysis and conclusions from learned resources rather than being spoon-fed by talking heads. But I won't! Instead... I'll remind you that we're playing a sport, a sport that many of us get teased about being a child's game. But isn't any game a child's game, really, when you break it down? But who cares? So let's start getting to the points that I want to make here. I think that there are indeed less wiffle ball leagues than there were 10 or 20 years ago, and not just a perception. I think that kids do participate in sports, but not nearly as much on the organized level due to the ever-increasing pressures and costs associated with it. Walk by a Little League game every now and then and listen to a parent wig out and you'll see what I mean. Or watch a video of one of them freaking out on a volunteer umpire or soccer referee online. It's truly disgusting. But those children that were in these studies have since grown up and some of them have had children of their own and they'll have children and so on. These are potential future players, tournament organizers, or even league commissioners. If they are not interested in playing in organized sports... Do you think that they'll be doing any organizing themselves? It doesn't sound very promising to me, at least from this vantage point. Now, when I played baseball back in the late 90s, the cost to to do so was relatively low compared to what all is required now for someone coming up in the game. The equipment, the camps, the training, the travel teams, the ever-escalating exorbitant costs are simply pricing some out of baseball. Why can't the kids just play? I feel like I'm getting off topic. Or am I? Tournaments. Let's talk about them. They're amazing, are they not? 
I had a very humble role in helping organize the first NAA tournament in 2012 in Columbus, Ohio. I helped run our league's charity wiffle ball tournament for three years here locally, and I played in, I cannot tell you how many tournaments altogether, from the goofy ones to the national tournament. But the cost to put on a tournament and the travel to play in them if they're far away and all that, it adds up. The trend I've noticed most of all in the past 10 years is the, you know, the transition of focus to tournaments seemingly above all else. I feel that the NAA tournament in particular plays a big role in this, at least you know, in the area that I focus or have more interest in, in the recreational league area. I don't think this is a purposeful move or anything, just a cause and effect correlation I'm pointing out. The prerequisites for leagues to participate in the tournament were to play so many games a year, have players play in so many of those games, etc. And that went fine for a while. Then some of these leagues wanted more of their players to play in the tournament. Some leagues splintered into what we'll call sister leagues, where they operate alongside of each other as proxy leagues with the sole intention of sending teams to the NAA tournament. This had to have had a negative impact on the original league. I don't want to dwell on this particular point much longer because uh, the act itself I don't really care about, but what I'm getting at here is the maintenance and longevity uh, of a league is my interest here. Matter can either be created nor destroyed, and the same could be said for leagues. You must take from one place to give to another. Next on this vein, I want to address what I call the tournament industrial complex. The desire to play in these tournaments is so strong that the focus of these leagues to send a good team seems to rise above all other priorities. How do I know this? This happened in my league in 2014 and 2015 and even in part of 2016. And trust me, it was a challenge juggling agendas for the league during that period when all anyone cared about was one weekend of the year. Okay, but we still have a season. We have other business to tend to before we adjourn, do we not? (laughs) It's nice to have an end goal, but it's super weird when you're enveloped within this weird milestone that's only part of the year. I'm not sure if any other leagues, you know, experience this that would care to address that, you know, publicly, but I, I will I will say it out loud. You see at this point how easy it is for a league to slip away and just turn into a minor league system for a team to turn up once a year at a tournament like this. This no doubt happened in the 1990s with some of those tournament circuits, and I feel that it's likely to happen again if we don't do something or kind of make it a focus to definitely prioritize and make sure that hey, we're still propping up the leagues and making sure everything's good there. I can hear some people saying now, Josh Smith hates tournaments. No, I don't. I play in them, I've helped organize them, and I support them. They bring us together, but the claim that they're the wiffle ball community, I'm using air quotes here, is only half truth, I believe. When these leagues begin to die off to feed the tournaments in the form of teams, that starts to eliminate the actual community itself from it all. These leagues from the past, present, and hopefully future are from all over. Whereas with these tournaments, they can only be in so many places due to the massive effort and organization they require, as well as they need to be in populated areas where it makes sense logistically to hold them. You can have a league in Bozeman, Montana, but there's just no way you're going to have a national tournament circuit show uh, show up there. That's just not going to happen. Now, tournaments don't necessarily begat more tournaments or leagues. The London Wiffle Ball Tournament is one of the largest wiffle ball tournaments in North America, and it's been going on for over 20 years. 
and I only see one active league in the entire state per wiffleballtournaments.com, and it's new, and it's yet to play their first season. Instead, at the same tournament, there were three leagues, Kalamazoo, Wiffle Southeast Michigan, and Potomac Wiffleball League, that came together uh, because they put in teams in that tournament for that particular year. This was like in 2011. And they met and ended up incidentally laying the foundation for what later became the NAA tournament. Now, tournaments are wonderful for bringing people together, raising money for charities, inspiring competition, so much more. But it's at the league level where innovation is seen on a common basis, I feel. Many of the rules enjoyed at and the groundwork that led to the foundation of some of these tournaments are thanks to wiffle ball leagues. They serve as laboratories where the rules and structures can be experimented with throughout the varying seasons. Drafts can be had or not. Players of less than minor league caliber can have a hand at the game. Leagues are the the think tanks in which tournaments can benefit from. At least that's the way I look at it. At worst, look at it as a give a penny, take a penny tray like you see at the gas station. I, I don't want to sound sour. And I'm not saying that the sky is falling or that it will fall. I don't have a crystal ball in front of this microphone. And I don't want to sound like one of those boomers shouting at your television screen. I'm in my 30s, for Christ's sake. Where the elders have no faith in the young, I do. Beneath all the algorithms, motherboards, Ethernet cables, Fortnite references, school shootings, Kanye West losing his ability to make good music, and the inexplicable return of the mullet, Light glimmers. There is a league that seems to do it all. And they're not new, but they are young. I'm talking about Major League Wiffle Ball. And hard as it is to believe, this league has been kicking it since 2009. I remember reporting on them for the Wifflers Digest and being impressed with their video production. But I wondered if they would suffer the same fate as all the other youth leagues. The high school graduation fall off. They not only crossed that threshold, but they flourished. I feel like I don't need to give you a report on this league now because they have since become the closest thing this sport has to celebrities. But the reason I bring them up is that they have a season and they host tournaments. You can do it all if you want to. And I dare say no other league is more deeply involved in the usage of social media and this league still manages to have a website. So to the rest of you, what's your excuse? And I'll be damned. They're still using league lineup for their stats. I'm, I'm sorry. I think I just shed a tear. There's something to be said about staying true to your roots. And I guess that's my overarching point I'm trying to make here. Our roots are largely grass roots. Nothing is promised. If we take away the innovative workspaces where we workshop tomorrow's ideas, a great stagnation will surely follow. I will always strain the importance of maintaining leagues and hope for their longevity. It's hard out there. And not to say that running a tournament is not hard. I believe it's even harder. Even though it's an event, those happen maybe on one day, or a weekend, or whatever the case may be. But the all-eggs-in-one-basket approach limits the wondrous diversity provided by the variety of leagues across the country. If all the focus is generating cutthroat competition, we unintentionally spread a one-size-fits-all monocultural device. That's a way to do things, but is it the way? I suppose that's a matter of opinion, and I think by now you probably know where I stand. Tournaments bring people together, but it depends on what kind of tournament 
you're not bringing everybody to the tournament. You're bringing your best, as you should. You go there to win. But for leagues, it's about getting people's interest in the game regardless of their skill level. Baseball is a game where no matter how good a player is, a team can still suck ass. I mean, look at the Angels. Mike Trout and Shohei Otani still suck. Wiffle ball has a similar appeal. It's a team sport, but the uniqueness of the ball itself serves as a further equalizer due to its unnatural movement. Players of any age and gender can virtually play without any major disadvantage. This is something I've experienced in my own league. Naturally, more athletic people will have more success, but hey, sports, what are you going to do? But as I said, tournaments can bring some of the people together, but leagues, they're the backbone. Let's not forget that. I know I won't. I'd like to thank all the hosts for all the episodes this season, the Cooks, Texas Tim Dean, Tom Gannon, and of course, begrudgingly, the Steffies brothers. I'm kidding. Trent, I love you, buddy. It's been fun providing my two cents among the good programming that's been provided this season, and I'm happy to come back anytime that I'm invited. That's all for the Holy Commutes this season, and I'm told that this was our 14th season. I'm in, <laughs> I'm in absolute disbelief of this. I, I can't remember who started this. It was Sam, or you know, I know it's a collective of people, but the idea of this, and then just the the fact that this has just kept going, I'm in awe of that. I, I absolutely love this. For that, I can't tell you how honored I am to be a part of this. But the the Holy Commutes will be back for, again, unbelievably their 15th season (laughs) sometime in April. By that time, I'm sure some of you will have uh, started their seasons. Can't wait to see what everyone's seasons and even tournaments have in store for us in 2023. Be well and take care, Wiffle Nation. See ya.